This episode sponsored by Vistage. With more than 20,000 members, it's where CEOs go to grow their companies and themselves. Learn more at Vistage.com. Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode of the Grow My Revenue Business Cast, I'm joined by Allison Whitmire, a rock star, kind of legendary executive coach known for amazing results with high-performing executives. I personally love her no BS style. She calls it like it is. We're going to talk about emotional intelligence. We're going to talk about the biggest mistakes when it comes to giving and receiving feedback. I know we're all guilty of that. And how do you set yourself up for feedback success instead of feedback failure? Finally, Allison has organized three TEDx events. She's the person who brought Simon Sinek to the TED stage. So I have to ask Allison, what makes a great TED Talk? Without further ado, here is Allison Whitmire. Allison, welcome. Hi, thanks, Ian. I appreciate your having me. Absolutely. So aside from that intro that I gave you, what else should people know about you? Well, I am a three-time TEDx organizer. I did my first TEDx way back in 2009. I was one of the first TEDx organizers in the United States, and I was blessed to have uh, Simon Sinek as my leadoff speaker. And Simon gave his, what is now very famous, Start With Why talk on my stage to 50 of my clients, tiny, tiny venue. And wow. it's gone crazy, as you know, since then. Um, and I'm a mom. I'm married. I live in Bethesda, Maryland. I'm an athlete, so I tend to attract people who are athletic. I, I would say to, to say that you're an athlete is saying that like fish occasionally swim. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so, I, 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 I would say if, if memory serves, you are a triathlete and, uh, and quite a competitor, but, but I'm going to let you just get away with saying you're an athlete. So <laughs> what, what, what else, what else should we know? Well, so they, so the context around that is, is I, when I turned 50, I started taking on one major challenge a year because I started to believe that my my observation of people as they got older is their lives began getting smaller instead of bigger, and I wasn't ready for that to happen to me. And so uh, when I turned 50, I summited Mount Rainier with Ed Vesters, who's a world-renowned mountain climber. Of course you did. Yes, of course I did. <laughs> It, it, it rocked my world. And then I, the next year, I, I did a half Iron Man, and I didn't bike or swim before that. And then the next year, I did Tough Mudder, and next year, I went through yoga teacher training. So I'm every year, I'm doing something. Then I did karate. I'm still doing karate, working on my black belt. So, so that's and and I, and I just want to say that anybody who meets Allison will believe that she's 36. So <laughs> I just I just want you to know that. I'm thinking, well, Allison, why are you speaking about the future? That's that's <laughs> not really fair. But um, but uh, to say that you're remarkable is an understatement. Um, let me let me ask you. I, I know that you've 
you've worked with and coached some of the most elite CEOs, many of whom I know credit their success to you. When when you're coaching high-performing business leaders, what usually surprises them the most that they discover? I tend to be very direct, not in an advice-giving way, but direct in how I'm observing them and what I'm seeing. And I will tend to mirror that back to them. And very few people, if any, in their world will do that. And when they see themselves mirrored back, they go, whoa, is that really what I look like? <laughs> like, actually, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. Um, I, I, have, I have the pleasure of serving on an advisory board with Allison with some really talented individuals. And all of us always comment on how you have this amazing ability to read the room and say the things that everyone else was thinking but was afraid to say at the time. Yeah. And um, and so your credibility in that area is is paramount. Um, and and speaking of that, I mean that that's that's a topic that falls in the category of probably emotional intelligence, and it's a term that's often thrown around. And I know you're an expert at this concept and this this field of emotional intelligence. Can you explain? what emotional intelligence is to our listeners and how it comes into play? Sure. So Daniel Goldman popularized uh, emotional intelligence back in 1995 with his book by the same name. And he defined emotional intelligence in five dimensions, self-awareness, self-regulation, empathy, social skill, and motivation. And essentially all of those things together are a way of thinking about capacities and competencies that allow us to stay cool, calm, and collected under stress and in a difficult situation. I got it. So, and and so when when I see that you have an ability to read the room when someone says something that that I know you would disagree with. And instead of saying something, you ask a brilliant question. It gets the other people to discover the answer that you knew. Is that kind of part of the manifestation of emotional intelligence? So, yeah. So if I drill down into the, the specifics of that, what that um, is in essence is a strong, what's called a strong self-other orientation, which means that, that I can access what I'm thinking, what I'm wanting, and what I'm feeling. And what the other or others around me are thinking and wanting and feeling. And I can stay connected and separate. Okay. Wow. And, and that and my ability to do that and, and many, many people have a, a gift to do that means that, that they can take in themselves and the other as information and not get defensive and not get critical and not get judgmental but stay connected and separate. Uh, so so it, it's, it sounds like the emotional intelligence side, I mean, obviously it comes into play in every aspect of life, but probably most so in the area of feedback. And I know that feedback is not an easy thing to take, um, especially when our egos get in the way. And I guess sometimes feedback can be a function of the delivery, what are the biggest mistakes that you see people make when offering feedback to other people? Yeah. So 
when we go into the to a feedback session or or having a feedback conversation, there's three really important aspects of that. The the first is that we go in with clean intent. Okay, so clean intent means that our intention of the feedback is for the benefit, for the sole benefit of the other person as a, as a, as a gift for their professional growth. What what can happen uh, and mistakes people make, and it's again, it can be unconscious, is they'll go in and they'll present the feedback with a little poke. Because like, I want to inflict on you a little bit of the pain you've been <laughs> inflicting on me. So give me an example of what that might sound like. Oh, well, Ian, you know, when you introduced me, you didn't talk about my TEDx experience and you didn't say that I've done all of these things and that's an issue. You know, like, right? like, and so I'm, you know, I'm inflicting a little bit of pain on you, right? <laughs> it, while I'm giving you the feedback. And the, the longer that I delay giving the feedback, the more likely there's going to be some pain in it. And then the other big mistake, it's like the reverse of that. The other big mistake that, that, that leaders make in giving feedback is they deliver what a client of mine calls the crap-filled lolly. Okay. And the crap-filled lolly is saying something sugary, artificially sweet about you at the beginning and then delivering the crap you about all this stuff you're doing wrong and then and then having a sugary artificially sweet little thing at the end so it's the so it's the it's the old sandwich philosophy but but not done with any level of deftness so it's kind of like if if i'm if i'm working with someone on the sales side and they've just done a terrible job interacting with a client and i start with um hey nice shirt (laughs) <laughs> and, then I, and, then, and, then, and then I rip them apart and I go, but I really like the shirt. People know that the shirt comments really weren't relevant. It's not about the shirt. No, what happens is that people leave your office and, and they go, what just happened? You know, you know, Ian said this great thing about my shirt. And then he told me how poorly I did on that sales call. And then he said, I had a great, you know, like, what just happened? Yeah. And, and I think people uh, tend to do that for two reasons. One is they're just wanting to make themselves feel better. They're managing their own stress. And the other thing is they they know people need to hear good things, like five to one, in a ratio of five to one, to yeah. be able to hear the constructive thing. And they are not giving the acknowledging feedback frequently enough. Uh, and I think that's a mistake I make with my children, candidly, where my, my son will do 20 things great. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's awesome. And then if, you know, he, he spills a little bit of milk and I say, oh, can you, you know, hey, pal, can you clean that up? And he's thinking, why are you beating me up over this, these things? And I'm thinking, no, no, you did 20 great things that, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you about. <laughs> it's, it's a very, very common trait for us high-performing leaders where we're not focused on the, our own things we're doing well, right? We're thinking about what's the thing I can improve on. That, that's, that's, that's a great point. Hey, Allison, let me ask you. You, you said that in feedback, 
there are three things people need to do. The first is clean intent. Yep. And I want to make sure that our, that our audience gets the second two. Okay. So the second is about creating context. Okay. And that's really important. Context for the conversation and context for the relationship. So it can sound like this. You know, Anne, at the beginning of the year, you told me that you really wanted to be, I'm going to make this up, a head of national sales for the company. And uh, I have seen within you the potential to do that. And what I wanted to talk to you about today was some things that you can do to help you get to your goal. That's great. So, so what that's done is one is it's, it's connected me with you in relationship to your goal, not mine. Wow. That's great. So the, so the first is clean intent. The second is the context, making sure that for both the conversation and the relationship, um, what the context is. And now what's the third one? Okay, the third is about staying connected and separate and on the same side. Okay. So as you, as the one of the authors of Same Side Selling, <laughs> this is kind of like same side feedback. Yep. And, it, and the idea is exactly the same. Too often when someone is giving feedback to, to another person, it is as if the issue is between them. Like I, you are doing something wrong and you have to change it for me. Yeah. But to be on the same side, you start with, and you, your goal of being national sales manager, I want to be on the same side with you to help you get to your goal. That's great. That's great. So, so clean intent, making sure that we've got the right context. Um, mutually on the on the conversation and the relationship, and then staying connected and making sure that you end up on the same side with with that other party, so that you it's a shared goal. It's not I want you to do this for me. It's together we're trying to figure out how we can help you succeed or mutually succeed. Exactly. That's great. That's that's great. I th- you know what? And I think it's I, I've never seen it presented that succinctly. So, um, so I think people are going to get a lot of benefit from that. Now I will tell you that it's easy when we're receiving feedback for egos to get in the way. I remember I had auditioned for one of your TEDx events and you Mm -hmm. gave me amazing feedback. And, and the conclusion was, look, my topic wasn't a fit for that event. As a professional speaker, that was really tough for me to hear at first. And I stepped back and said, well, you know what? I, you know, I know that this is Allison's domain. So if this isn't going to be a home run, I just need to figure out what would make it a home run. But what advice do you have for people when they're receiving feedback? Because I know it was a tough thing internally for me to struggle with that I never really gave you feedback on that. But it was, man, how do I deal with that? And I just trusted that you know what you're doing in this space. So it worked. But I imagine for a lot of people, it's tough to get feedback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So first, I want to acknowledge you for being open and receptive and curious and really taking in that feedback. Well, thank you. Yeah. And so I did two things right there. I acknowledged you and, 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 I, and that's a true acknowledgement. And the other is I wanted to demonstrate what positive feedback can look like and positive feedback looks like an acknowledgement of who you're being and what you're doing. 
And we often miss that. We could say, great job, Ian. That was a great talk. Instead of saying, wow, Ian, you were so courageous on stage today. You were bold. You delivered that message in such a powerful way. Great job. So, so now the, the person on the receiving end, so when you're, when you're talking to a high-performing executive, and this is someone who, to the rest of the world, you know, they're, they're the king of the mountain. Yeah. But when you're on the receiving end of feedback, what's the advice for the people who are receiving feedback on yeah. what should be going through their heads as they're receiving feedback that sometimes – they may not like hearing. Sometimes they may not want to hear. And I venture to say, and I know how direct of a communicator you are, that sometimes people feel like they just got you know, punched in the chest. Yeah. And, and, and you're right about that. I am, I am very direct. And uh, I always start, when it's feedback of a constructive way, I always start with, are you open to some feedback? And then my clients, I'm in a coaching session with them. And they'll say, well, of course, that's why you're here. And I always ask it every single time. Because what it does is it prepares the person to be in a space to actually receive it. Yeah. Okay. So I start with asking permission. And then people are going to receive feedback in the same pattern of which of their emotionally intelligent makeup. So what that means is a, a good 30 to 40% of people are going to respond in a triggered manner. <laughs> you know, the, the 50, 60, 70% are going to respond like you did in a positive, like, okay, I know that Allison, I trust Allison. She's trying to help me here. And so I'm going to take that in and I'm going to work to be better. That's great information. People you know, a good percentage of people are going to take it like you did. Now, Allison, and, Allison let, me, let me interrupt for a second. Yeah. That wasn't my initial reaction. It took me a while, it took me a while, not like a long time, but it took me a little while mentally to get to that point. So if, if I'm someone who I know is about to let, – let's say you're working with a client who you know doesn't typically take feedback very well. Yeah. What would you advise them as the receiver of feedback – in what, how they should prepare themselves when they're about to get feedback. Because it could be at a 360 review, they're getting feedback from their subordinates. And I know a lot of times the, the more experienced and successful they are, when, when someone gets feedback, their initial reaction is, well, that's great for somebody else, but that certainly doesn't apply to me. And that's it. And, and my advice is find the 1% that's true about you. Because everyone, because feedback is a gift. I mean, the, the best advice for anyone receiving feedback is be curious, ask questions, say thank you. Yeah. And, right? it's, and it's that say thank you in the end. I, I, remember, I remember watching somebody who was giving someone feedback once and the, and the, the person was starting to get defensive yeah. and the facilitator said, Keep in mind, this is feedback that you may elect to incorporate or not. All you need to do is say thank you, and you can decide later which feedback you use and which feedback you don't. Right. But if you're hearing the same feedback from multiple people, recognize that there might be some truth in there. Yeah. And, and what's happening? So I'm going to tie this back to emotional intelligence. What's happening in that moment 
when people are being triggered to be defensive or in denial or in discounting or even in drama, when they're being triggered, what happens is their past patterns, it's unconscious patterns from the past made present. Wow. So, so that, so at that point, people are you're you're triggering something that says, "Wait, I remember when someone railroaded me once before, and and this terrible thing happened, so that must be what's happening to me again." Exactly. We we are shaped throughout our lives in a very formative way in our very 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 early years, and we learn about conflict. We learn the degree to which we can trust others or not. We, we learn how to self-regulate and how to be self-aware and how to empathize with others very, very, very early in life. Hmm. And, and we will take those, and those experiences in early life create, form the patterns uh, and the filters through which we see our world. And, you know, uh, Carl Jung has a quote that says, when our inner situation is unconscious, it appears outside of us as fate. Wow. Right. And that's what happens when our, our unconscious patterns show up. It's like everywhere around me. Oh, it's the same situation everywhere. Well, how funny. You're bringing it with you. <laughs> and, and so that, that, that emotional intelligence, that ability to step back and see what's going on, you know, certainly there's some people you see who are better at it than others. Is it something that can be taught? Absolutely. And, and the, the, the teaching of it is not in the outside social skill. It's not in behavior. The teaching of it is in helping people understand their internal landscape when they're being triggered. And then once they understand that internal landscape, help them become mindful of it in the moment and present to it in the moment so that they can pause, reflect, and make a different choice. Uh, and, and that's something I, I know I know that your organization, one of the things you have is this this amazing tool that I know you had used. I mean it's like the um, it's like the shaver commercial, right? You know, I liked it so much I bought the company. Right, exactly. <laughs> where this, where you guys have this tool that helps people tap into and become more self-aware. And 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 I I know I know this isn't a commercial for it, but it's so intriguing. Can you just give us a little bit of a snippet of what this does? Sure, sure. This instrument, and it's called the EQ profile, is like an internal 360. That's how I've begun to think about it. And what it does is it reveals our internal experience under stress or in conflict. Not our behavior, not what other people see, but what's going on inside of us. The, what we're feeling, what we're wanting, what we're thinking, what we think the other person feeling and wanting and thinking, the extent to which we can see possibility or risk in the situation, how our ability to empathize or not, the extent to which we trust ourselves or others. It, it encompasses that whole internal landscape that we're accessing when we're under stress. Great. And and the, the, the thing that, that caught my attention the most is that it's structured in a way that, unlike most assessment tools where you can game the system if you know what you're doing, it's really set up so that it's just 
it can't be gamed. Yeah, it can't, it can't be gamed because uh, unlike a lot of self-report assessments out there where you can, well, let, let me tell you more about me and how emotionally intelligent I am. This particular assessment puts you um, in a relationship by suggest, subjecting you to a series of eight videos uh, that are each about two minutes long. And it is one person speaking to you as if you're in relationship with them and they're, you're in conflict. You're in a stressful conversation. And then you write what you want, think, and feel, what the other person wants, think, thought, and felt about the situation. You answer a battery of 345 questions across the eight videos. And what comes from that is essentially what your unconscious patterns are when you're under stress. Wow. And and I imagine that's got to give, if you're someone who's a coach, having trouble getting through to somebody who doesn't necessarily see themselves, this all of a sudden gives you full transparency. And and my guess is the people who take this have an aha moment. That's, um, that, that's gotta be pretty impactful. Exactly. For, for instance, um, the coach could say, I notice Bill, every time that you get feedback from your boss, you get angry. Um, and you've reported that to me, and I've observed that within you. Uh, look, here on your EQ profile, it shows that when you're under stress, you dial anger way up. How do you experience that? Oh, wow, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Okay, when you dial anger way up, how does, how does that affect you? Yeah. Oh, wow, it distances me from the other person. It makes me pull away, and it doesn't get me what I want. And, and, it, and it helps that person tap into the, the, the reality that other people see in them that maybe they don't see in themselves. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, know I, you, and I, you and I have talked about doing this assessment, and I look forward to it with excitement and fear at the same time. <laughs> I'm, afraid, I'm afraid of what I'm going to find out. Now, now, Allison, you mentioned you mentioned before, and um, that your your past experience with TEDx events, and obviously being the person who brought um, Simon Sinek to the stage. What makes a great TED talk? Yeah, um, a great TED talk is one that has, first of all, a universal message, a message that every person can can tap into across the world, no matter whether they're in business or in a rural, rural village, they can get it. Another aspect of it, I like to think of it, it, is, it is the talk that only the speaker can give. Like they are so congruent with it. It's almost as if they're a channel for something divine. Yeah, and so it becomes very personal and it's their story, not someone else's story. It, it, it is their story, but if you think of Simon Sinek's talk, it's so not about him. But when you see him speak it, he's so congruent with it. He's so on fire. He's so engaged that, it, that he just becomes this channel yeah, for, that's... for this message. And then you look at Jill Bolte-Taylor. She's, her, frankly, her TED Talk is my favorite of all time because it is 
her talk is she's a neuroscientist and she talks about how she experienced her stroke and the loss of her one side of her brain. And and she gives in this talk, she gives the roller coaster ride of going from her left brain to her right brain. In the beginning, she's holding a brain and articulating what it is. And at the end, she's in tears and in this great, big, spacious, loving uh, way. And it's remarkable. And only she could give that talk. Yeah, that's that's great. Now let me let me let me wrap up with a with a question, and then I want to share some information about some upcoming events that you have. If you had one piece of advice to share with the audience, and and you know my assumption is it probably has something to do with feedback, emotional intelligence, and gathering that. But sky's the limit. Anything you want. If you had one piece of advice to share with the audience, what would that be? Yeah, um, you know, as a coach. I tend to shy away from flat out giving advice. So what I like to do is ask questions instead. And here's my <laughs> question, right? Is what is getting in your way from achieving your full potential? And the context around that is I believe that our greatest challenges are not the ones that are outside of us, but the ones that lie within us. That's great. That's great, and and it's and it's so true. And I know that um, when when you and I had talked about even like this this TED talk, you asked me a number of questions that really got me thinking and uncovering the answers. That um, you just have an amazing talent for doing that. Now I know that you've got some events coming up. You've got your EQ in conflict training. You've got a few different dates. I know that in Seattle you're connecting these on September seventeenth and eighteenth. There's a virtual event on October 8th, and then in Bethesda, Maryland, October 15th and 16th. What can you tell people about those events? Well, what they're designed for is to train what I call the kind of the helping professional coaches, leadership development people, uh, human resource professionals, training them in what emotional intelligence is, how people respond in conflict, how to reveal unconscious patterns and how to utilize the EQ and conflict instrument to reveal people's unconscious patterns so that they can access them, see them and get out of their own way so that they can move forward faster. Awesome. You know what? And, and just having seen events that you've put on, I think that uh, people will be in very good hands and um, we'll just need to uh, bring um, probably a pen refill for all the notes they'll take in the uh, in the <laughs> yeah. sessions they'll be doing. How how can people get a hold of you? And of course, all this information we'll have in the show notes, so that anything that you missed here, I don't want people writing as they're driving. Um, you can get this on the show notes by uh, by coming to GrowMyRevenue.com later. But what's the best way for people to to reach you um, on your website and uh, and otherwise? Sure, they can email me at Allison with one L A L I S O N at learninginaction.com, or they can just go to the website, learninginaction.com. So learninginaction.com. Our guest has been Allison Whitmire. And Allison, I've taken enough notes that uh, that I think the ink's just about out in this pen. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with everybody. Thank and you. Um, if people have questions, by all means, fire me a note. And I know that Allison is one of the most responsive people on the planet. So when you have questions about this, be sure to connect with her. 
and you will continue to learn tons if you pay attention to Allison. Thanks again, Allison. Thank you, Ian. Allison covered some great stuff. Let me give you a 30-second snapshot of the things that I thought were most impactful. The big mistake that people often make when offering feedback to others is they have a little jab in there. So the three things you need to do when you offer feedback is first, make sure you have clean intent. Second, you want to make sure that you're creating the proper context, both in the conversation as well as the relationship. And third, you want to stay connected and on the same side, near and dear to my heart, so you're offering that same side feedback so it's about a common goal together. Now remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. So if there's a guest you think we should have, if there's a topic you want me to cover, by all means, let me know at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com and connect with me on Twitter at growmyrevenue. And of course, visit growmyrevenue.com where there's all sorts of additional material that we can't practically put on the podcast. Have a great week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at growmyrevenue.com.